0: him because if they answered him that would be them springing the trap and so he heals the guy Uh, but in classic Jesus fashion he immediately calls out the hypocrisy of the whole situation with a question he says which of you you Pharisees which of you having a son or even an ox and if it fell into a well on the Sabbath day, wouldn't immediately get it out. Now, that might sound familiar. He asked a very similar question about a chapter ago. Luke tells us they couldn't reply because, of course, they know the answer Uh, from the youngest onlooker to the ruler of the Pharisees himself. They know what the response is. Of course, if it's your ox or your son, you pull him out, right? But to say that to Jesus would be be to acknowledge the reality of their own brokenness. They valued an ox more than a man. That that kind of wraps up the first six verses of this chapter. But, But then as Jesus looks around himself in this context that has been laid, in this context of false hospitality, Uh, and he sees this situation, he decides to use it uh, for a purpose uh, that the Pharisees didn't intend, that the orchestration of the Pharisees didn't reach to. Jesus is sitting in the midst of just about the worst hospitality ever, literally invited just to trap him. And so in the remainder of this passage today, Jesus teaches them and us what true hospitality is. He contrasts the hypocritical, bitter, spiteful hospitality of the Pharisees with the hospitality of the kingdom of God. And this is is great because even though this is spoken as a a rebuke to Pharisees, uh, in these verses to come, we find what it looks like for us to live uh, hospitably around the table as God's people today. And not just that, but we learn about the incredibly good reasons we have to be hospitable people, to use our tables in a kingdom-oriented way. I hope that excites you, that excites me. Uh, so first, Jesus teaches us what the hospitality of God's people is to look like. And he talks about how to be a godly guest and how to be a godly host. Uh, Jesus looks around himself and he sees the Pharisees dinner party and he sees people vying for the positions of honor at the table, trying to step up in the world by placing themselves strategically, presumably next to this ruler of the Pharisees or any other honored guest who happened to be there. And Jesus tells a parable about, about the posture of the Christian life. He says, when you get invited to dinner, don't take the best seat because you might get shafted back to the worst when someone more important arrives. Instead, take the worst seat and your host will probably call you further up the table. Now, what's really important here is that we notice the words in verse 7 that say this is a parable. This, this bit isn't specifically just dinner party advice. You know, it's not it's not about well, how do I get the most out of how do I get the most honor out of a dinner party? That that's how we could read this, except for that it's a parable. What that means is that there's more than more here than dinner party advice. So this isn't saying that you should take bad seats at the dinner table because sneakily you want the best seat. The point of the parable is, is down there in verse eleven. Actually, uh, Jesus says, "For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled." And he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is a principle of the kingdom of God. And if it sounds familiar, it's probably because it should. Uh, Right back at the start of Luke uh, chapter 1, Mary sang her song. We looked at this about a month ago in our Christmas series. Um, and, And she set the tone of one of the greatest themes of the gospel of Luke. God is the God who exalts the humble and brings down the proud. Mary's words were, he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. Why Jesus is, uh, what Jesus is revealing here is not just uh, dynamics of the dinner table, but the dynamics of the people of God's kingdom. Humility is the way of God's people. Because we desire that God would exalt us we desire what he has to give we want what we he has to offer over and above what the world has to offer us and so because god is the god who exalts the humble we are happy to live humbly now we're happy to have the lowest positions and and not to get invited up then but to wait for the day when god invites us to him and you know, although this is a, a parable about more than dinner tables, uh, probably the clearest place to apply this is around the dinner table, isn't it? When, when you gather with others, do you love to take the place of honour? Um, you know, we don't, we don't do that as much anymore as a society, the, the kind of structured table with the place of honour. I know when I grew up, we definitely had a chair that was dad's chair at the table. Um, I don't, I don't want to dishonor my father here by saying this um, he did have a higher back than some of the others I'm saying uh, it's, I'm not sure if clappings a rod um, but like you know this idea of strategic seating you know maybe the way this plays out now is that we sit next to the person who can give us the most back we sit next to the fun person we sit next to the enjoyable conversationalist We sit next to the person who, gosh, I've been waiting to hang around with them. You know, do we do that? Or do we follow the Saviour who gave up his place of honour in heaven in order to come down to us and sit with broken people like us, like you and me? Do you choose to be present with all sorts of people? Because that's the life that God says will be exalted in the end. Jesus then goes on to talk to his host. Uh, He looks around himself and he sees that the guest list at this dinner party is one filled with important, helpful, useful people. People who you would want to sit next to, essentially. And so he calls us to contrast that contrast the dinner tables of the world with the way that we fill our own. Jesus says, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors. Hello, Charlie. Lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. This is so revolutionary, what Jesus says here, because Jesus is taking this huge theological theme, do you see the, the great reversal, we might call it, or the upside-down kingdom, it's often called. The idea that God's kingdom is not like the kingdom of the world. In God's kingdom, the first are last and the last are first. In God's kingdom, the humble are exalted and the proud brought down. And Jesus takes that, uh, that theme uh, that the people of the kingdom live humbly and should be happy to do so because we are people of the kingdom, he takes that and he applies it to this really practical, basic, yet challenging context of our lives. One that we can all relate to, right? Who sits down and eats every day? All of us. It's an everyday context. Most of us, it's a three times a day context-ish. And Jesus takes this building block of our lives... And makes it an opportunity to live out our identity as, a, as disciples of Jesus in a missional, countercultural way. He says that the tables of God's people aren't to be filled with the easy people. We're not to prioritize eating with the people who can give us something back. We're to prioritize hospitality toward the needy, toward the broken drug addict, toward the awkward challenging person who talks too much or too little toward the the struggling single parent, toward the people that others don't want in their lives because it's just too difficult, because there's no benefit to having them. Jesus says we are to bring them into our lives and to our tables. He's calling us to live with a forever priority in who we eat with. Jesus says that there's no reward for doing this now, but God's people look forward to a better reward. We look forward to the reward of entering into eternity with God at the resurrection. So we we live out that hope by opening our tables now. If you haven't noticed already, this isn't the first time this has come up in this series. Uh, If if this is your first time here at Gospel Church, then you're forgiven for not realising that. Um, I I probably don't need to forgive you, actually. Now think about it. Uh, The life and the teaching of Jesus make it really clear, God cares how we use our tables. God cares about the practical things. God calls his people to worship him in how they eat and in who they eat with and maybe that really hits the, the heart of the issue, this, this idea that we worship him with the use of our table. What, what keeps us from inviting p- poor people to our tables? What, what keeps the needy away from our table? I think most of us could probably give the answer, because I'm too busy. If only there was time. You know, I'm gonna wait till that season coming up when there'll be time and then I will. You know, maybe the, the answer that some might give is because I don't know anyone like that, which really means because I'm too busy to go and meet these people, to live in context with the poor, with the needy, with the, the broken, with the single mother, with the, the broken family. Now, yes, there are different seasons of life. We, we must acknowledge that. There are different seasons of life in which this will be simpler and harder and will look different. I'm not trying to give myself an escape clause here, but young parenting is one of those seasons of life. And, and we, we still seek to practice this. But it's, it's probably different to say when you have teenagers or when you have no kids at home anymore or when, you have, when you're a single person or where you share house. Uh, this is a thing that can be applied in any of those seasons but applies a bit differently in all of those seasons, do you see? But the point is that, that too busy really means there's something else that I think is more important than this. But if we, if we listen to the words of Jesus, that we are called to fill our tables on, on the basis of the hope that we have in God, then we must give that priority over over other things in our lives. So ask yourself, this is the real question, what are the things that are currently in my life that are more important than what Jesus calls me to? That are more important than me worshipping God in this way? What are the things in my life that exclude me from following God's call on my life to be hospitable. Hospitality is one of the building blocks of the New Testament church. Um, When when Paul uh, calls us to be qualified as leaders of the church, uh, one of the qualifications, he says, is they must be hospitable. Um, That's because they're to be an example to the flock leaders are to show hospitality and, and, and the New Testament word there, hospitality, I'm going off the reservation here a little bit, is this word phylloxenos, uh, which Greek phyllo meaning love and xenos being kind of the same root from where we get xenophobia, stranger, different. Love of the strangers is, is what we are to practice as a people. It takes some time this week to, to think this through. Do I prioritize movies or sport over hospitality? Do I prioritize work over hospitality? Do I work so much that I could never be hospitable? Believing that lie that if I don't work every hour, God won't provide for me. Or at least every hour that I'm not sleeping. Do I prioritize my image before others over hospitality? Is it a case of I would certainly be hospitable if I could get my house to this standard? You know, hospitality, it must be said, is different to running a dinner party. Uh, it's not entertaining, it's being real with people around a table. Do I prioritize hobbies? Do I prioritize my shed or my kids or anything else that should be secondary over the call of Jesus on my life to practice hospitality. That's that's one to work through for yourself this week. And now at the end of this passage, Jesus shows us the roots. The roots of why we would live this way. Why the people of God's kingdom would would open their tables. Uh, to those in need rather than those that they need. And and the call is to use our tables today in light of the great feast to come. Jesus tells this parable that is full, it drips with both grace and warning. And, And this time the parable isn't about our tables, it's about God's table. Jesus says, uh, this is verse 16, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Pause there. So the parable here is about the table of God. This is a picture of the feast. To come the Bible says that a day is coming when Jesus will return and when he does this world will be made new and God's people will be welcomed into a new perfect world and one of the main images that the Bible gives of that day is a feast a party even uh, it will be the gathering of God's people around the table of God In Revelation 19, we get this picture of the end of history when all of God's people are gathered to him and the angel tells the author of the book, John, he says, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. It's a wedding feast. So this parable from Jesus is about the inviting of people to that feast, the inviting to glory, the inviting to the eternal joy of life with God around his table. But we get this absurd picture, don't we? Isn't it crazy what happens here? People are refusing to come to the best feast ever for bizarre reasons. One guest says, I can't come. I need to go and inspect my new paddock. And another says, I've bought some new animals. I need to go and have a look at them. And another says, I got married. Can't make it. Beautiful of those excuses. Like, I thought it was my wedding, and you were like, "I bought a new paddock." I'd be like, "You looked at it beforehand, didn't you? Like, like surely you didn't buy it and then go to have a peek." <laughs> I hope that paddock I bought is good. I know, have no idea really. Like, it's an excuse, and you, you got married. You didn't drop off the face of the earth. What Jesus is doing is he's pointing at the gracelessness of the Pharisees sitting around him. Who only invite their friends and their rich neighbours over. Who only act in self-interest. And he's saying that, that he, Jesus, is there inviting them to the table of God. To God's kingdom. But they just love the world too much to come. And their priorities in how they use their tables, how they live their lives, reveal this lack of God's grace in their lives. And this is the, the warning of this parable. Jesus says to us, along with the Pharisees, do you, like, do you live like your treasure is, is at the table of God, or do you live like your treasure is here and now? The Pharisees treasured the here and now, and so revealed that they weren't a part of God's kingdom. And the response of the master toward the person who loves the world more than him is sobering, isn't it? Down at the end of the passage, he says, they will not taste my banquet. Now, that's, that's serious. And we, and we must say, this isn't saying that you win your way to God's banquet using your table well. But rather, how you use your table now reveals whether you know you've been invited to God's table. But then after the warning, we get this startling, quite overwhelming picture of God's grace. The master in the parable, representing God, says to his servant, Go, get everyone. Bring in the poor. Bring in the crippled people. Lame people. Blind people. And go out to the most obscure places in the world and bring in people to fill my table. It will not be empty. Not people who've earned it, not people who were the honoured guests of the party, not people who deserved it, just people who need it. God's table is open to everyone. Everyone is called to believe in Jesus and be saved. And everyone who is saved will sit at the table of God at the Feast of Forever. Doesn't this just cast the whole thing that we've looked at so far in a new light? The people of God's kingdom, the people of God's kingdom welcome in the needy and the least because our God welcomed us in. We are the needy and the least. His table is so much better than mine. We've got one of those extending IKEA ones, it's all right, but his is better. His food is so much better. His company is so much better. He is infinitely more than me and than us. And yet he goes out of his way to bring people in who don't deserve it to his feast. In fact, he would send his only son to die to bring them in. To bring them to his table. So the grace of God should enliven us and challenge us here. Do we live like we are the people of God, of the God who invites in the poor, the lame, the blind? Do we live like that's our God? Do we live like people who have received so much grace, and we are driven to express grace? by inviting in needy people. If you haven't received the grace of God, if you haven't entered in, uh, then know that that is for you, by the way. In Jesus, God welcomes everyone who comes to him. Anyone can be saved. Anyone can turn from the brokenness, the pride, the selfishness of their past and enter into the kingdom of the God who welcomes needy people with open arms. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for your grace. Father God, thank you for your grace that you would open your table to us. That you would welcome in the broken and the needy and the poor and the lame. And Lord, that was us. Apart from you, we have nothing of any worth. Because we were created to find our worth in you. And yet you invite us in so richly, so so beautifully, so freely for us, and such a costly invitation for you. Your hospitality lord your love for your enemies is startling lead us lord to be a people who reflect the truth that we know it that we know your hospitality to us and that we express the joy of it by inviting in those in need i pray for everyone here who has believed in your name that you would give them an opportunity in this coming week Uh, to invite in a person who needs it and not just a person that they can get something back from make us a people who reflect the glory of our savior in this way in jesus name we pray amen